that and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's true, and it doesn't really have any effect on our lives, all right? But in the, those two phrases, by God and for God, the two, like those answers the two biggest questions in life, the questions that no matter what culture you're in, that, that answers two, the biggest questions in all the world. Number one, it, number one who, who, who am I? The answer is, who am I? And that answers, why am I here? And in the midst of the truth of God's word, he's answering both of those questions. Questions that, that's, that's true to his word. And it's, if you read Colossians 1, you'll see that, that we are made by God. Right? You are made by God. That's who you are. The handiwork, the invention, the creation, the idea of God. You are made by God. That's who you are. And, and why you're here. You are made for God who... You're made for the, for the God who created you. And it's, we can say it like this. You were created from the very beginning to have an encounter with the Almighty God. To have, like he created you, for, not, for, not for necessarily because he was alone. He was feeling lonely. That's not why he created you. But he, he created you because he wanted relationship with you. Not because he had to have it. He wanted relationship with you. See, I've been in church my whole life, and a lot of you have been in faith your whole life, and, we, and sometimes we lose, we lose sight sometimes of, what, of the things that are coming out of our mouths when we say stuff like that, right? Like, you are made to have an encounter with him, to know him. Like, in the tent of meeting, Moses would go in to encounter, like, he would go into the tent of meeting, and, a, and a, God would descend in a cloud, and, it, and the Bible describes it as a face-to-face encounter with God, even though like it really wasn't face to face, like I'm staring at you right now. Because if that was true, like like Moses would have been obliterated. <laughs> you with me? It, it describes it as like a face to face conversation with Jesus. And the reason he would have been obliterated is because he wasn't under the grace of Jesus Christ and wasn't covered by the righteousness of God yet, as we are today. It was as if they were talking face to face. God from the beginning has wanted to encounter His creation. Right, and then there's Joshua who who dialed into the reality that human beings can can have an encounter with the Almighty. And we see later in the temple period, right, when the, the a priest would be invited into the Holy of Holies once a year, right, and they used to wonder they like they were so scared of what could happen in the Holy of Holies. The priest would tie a um, tie a rope around his waist so if he died while he was in the presence of God, they could be able to pull him out. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like in the, like it's just it's like only the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies because even though God is inviting us to encounter and inviting us to know him, he's, he, he's still a holy God and there's a big gap between a holy God and a sinful man. But we're not in the times of the tent. We're not in the times of the temple because Christ has, has done the work for us through the, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Like He's done all the work for us. To have a relationship. This, it, it, through the resurrection, it brings us into a whole new relationship with God. A whole new relationship with God. A relationship that Moses didn't have. A relationship that, that Joshua didn't have. A relationship even though the high, even, even the high priest didn't have. And it's why Paul would write, write that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there's freedom to pursue God. Right? Like you are free to pursue God. You see, you can say it like this, you know, new life may get you out of hell, but an encounter will make you a force for heaven. You with me? 
an encounter or the liberty to pursue your creator will make you a force for heaven. It's why Paul would say to us in 2 Corinthians 3.18 when he says, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. Like we can approach the throne of God boldly without fear. And with, and with no veil, we, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured in, in, this very image, in his very image as we move from one broader level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I got a picture that when, when Moses came off the mountain and when he had been in the presence of God, it said that his face shined so brightly that the people asked him to cover his face up. But now we can remove that veil and be in the presence of Jesus. We can encounter Jesus. Like if we could just get Jesus in the room, we have permission to do that. We have the freedom and the liberty to pursue our creator like never before. You with me? And see, as I was getting ready for this, this sermon this morning, and I, I was thinking back of all these encounters that we read about in the Old Testament or New Testament of our New, Old New Testament brothers, and, and uh, I was, as I was thinking about this, like, they were earth-shaking encounters. You with me? Like, they were, like, move-mountain encounters. They were, like, miracle encounters. Like, this just craziness. And as I, was re- as I was pondering on Mark 5 that we're going to look at today and, and a little bit into 6, you know, like... I was thinking, I, I kept asking my, myself this question when I looked at all these encounters in the Bible. I, said, I asked this question, why can't it be me? Like, why can't it be me? Why can't I have an encounter like my old New Testament friends? Why can't it be me? And so if you remember from last week, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat headed across the lake. You remember? And while Jesus was asleep, a storm came along, and the disciples freaked out. They're like, hey, they remember they shook Jesus up, like, how could you sleep when we're all about to die? You know, they, they kind of lost a little bit of faith in who was in the boat with them, with me, and he just stood up and said, peace, be still, storm, stop, and it did. And they were amazed, they were amazed at, that he would have power over creation, over the forces of nature, all right? He calmed the storm, and they were amazed. And then, you know, the beginning of Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, which we're not going to actually read today, but it tells the story of a of, of man, man who was possessed with a legion of demons. You know, if you read the story, he was, he was in the graveyard. He had amongst the tombs, like he was, he was bound up. He was, they, would bound, they would bound him up, and he would just break every chain that, that they, they tried to hold on. Like he tormented the people in the surrounding Areas with his wailing and his screaming and his torment of him cutting him cutting himself and the story of this this man possessed with with a legion of demons and um, and Jesus shows up on the shore if you remember you know the story and he in this he encounters this this man who is possessed with demons and um, Jesus casts the demons out and uh, into a bunch of pigs. And the pigs ran off the cliff into the lake. You know what I'm saying? And like that, that was that village's source of income. So they freaked out and they were afraid. And they asked Jesus to leave, to get back on the boat and go back. So Jesus climbs in the boat. And this is where we kind of pick up the story a little bit. And he, he, while he's getting in the boat, this man who was possessed with demons, watch this, what happens. He says, and as Jesus began to get into the boat, this is Mark 5, 18. 
As Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from demons asked him, could I go with you? And Jesus answered, no, but said to him, go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of Jordan and parts of Syria and to tell everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him. And all people marveled. All people marveled. This man had an encounter that changed his life. He's like, if I could just get in the presence. Like, out of all people, Jesus was like, he needs my presence. Like, he encountered this man. And it changed his life and changed lives, changed lives. You with me? So he went and told everybody about this encounter that he had where there was this miracle that took place. He became a force for heaven because he had the freedom to encounter Christ. That's really not the main point of today's sermon. It's kind of like a hedgeway into what happens next. So let's keep reading. Mark 5, 21 says, After Jesus returned from across the lake, so he's been back in the boat, he crossed back over the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then, a man, a man, that, uh, uh, a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come, to, come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live on pause here in a minute. This dad, this dad knew if I could get, just get my daughter in the presence of Jesus, if I, could, if, if I could just get him in the room, if, I could, if she could just encounter him, I know that everything will change. And I'm wondering, are we desperate enough to get the people that we live, work, and play with in the presence of Jesus? Because if we can get them in the presence of Jesus and they see him, that, that this encounter would forever change their lives. Or we just go about her every day. I'm going to keep reading. Immediately, Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on, on him from all sides. Now, in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly, horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. So we have this 12-year-old girl and this woman who had suffered with bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better. But we're saying, I'm going to pause here just for a second. Has anybody ever been there? I'm not necessarily talking about some health issue, but like you've done everything, you've exhausted everything you know to do to make your situation better, and it just seems like it's made it worse. You with me? Like yesterday, I was tearing down a wall in our house, and it seems like the deeper I got, the more confused I got. You with me? Like, what is this wire hanging out of this wall? Is it live? If I touch it, am I going to die? You with me? Like, no matter how much you do, it just seems to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And after four layers of wallpaper, you realize, I'm done. You with me? Like, uh, like there's no, uh, where do I go from here? You with me? Like, it's like, like, ha- like have, you, have you been to this point where you've tried everything to help your situation? It just seems like it's made it worse. It's made it worse. But it goes on to say this. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to, to herself, if only I could, t- if I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. Like, did this woman hear? 
about the demon-possessed man on the other side of the river being healed, being, re- being redeemed? Did, did she, maybe she heard about the blind being able to see, and all we know is, is she was asking the question, if he did it for me, if he did it for them, why can't it be me? Why can't it be me? If I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his prayer shawl, if he did it for them, why can't he do it for me? Why can't he do it for me? If I just get in his presence, if I just have an encounter with him, you want to know what moves the heart of Jesus? Faithfully stepping in the direction in which he is going. Faithfully stepping in the direction of where he is moving. Faithfully pressing through the busyness and commotion and circumstances of life to get into his presence. This woman's faith moved her to say, if he did it for them, why can't it be for me? And this is her, it was her saying, it's time for my encounter. It's my turn. When was the last time you looked, just looked at Jesus and said, it's my turn? And I think he'll honor that. You know how I think he'll honor that? Which we'll read about in a minute. It's because she had faith that he was going to do something. It's like the Asbury revival that's been ha- that it's happened. Like, why did that happen? Why did revival at Asbury happen? Because six students wouldn't leave a chapel service because they felt the spirit and they said to themselves, I want an encounter. Like, I feel it. Like, it's our turn. It's this generation's turn. And they refused to leave and it broke out. It's time for my encounter. Watch Jesus' faithfulness to the faith of this woman. It says this in Mark 5, 29. As soon as her, her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel in her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him, him had, had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples in bewilderment said, what do you mean who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. And I want you to notice, like how, like, well, I'll talk about it here in a second. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looking for, one, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear. And why was she trembling with fear? In this society, she would have been known as an outcast. She, would, she would, was literally breaking the law by being in that crowd of people because of her issue with blood. With, she was considered unclean, and that, if she was to touch somebody, she, it would, if she would have, was to touch somebody, they would be ceremonially unclean, would have to go through this whole process. Like she, was, like she would be the person that the rest of us would look at as scum. You with me? She threw herself down at his feet, saying, I was the one who touched you. I was the one who said, why can't it be me? Why can't it be me? And she told him her story of what had just happened. Then Jesus said to her, and I love these words. From somebody who has felt, re- someone who had felt rejection for 12 years because of something that she couldn't control. Family had turned their back on her. Husbands have probably turned her back, their, their, back, their back on her. 
society, the temple, the religious leaders, the people who were supposed to help her, had all turned their back. She, she felt like she was a part of nothing, and he looks at her and says, daughter, daughter, because you dared to believe, because you had faith, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from suffering. She said, I'm the one seeking an encounter. I'm the one who is seeking an encounter with you. Why can't it be me? Why can't it be me? When, when was the last time you woke up in the morning with expectation that God was going to move? When was the last time you woke up and said, God, I know you're going to do something big today? See, I remember when, I remember when we were doing the build out here. And then when, when and I, and it seemed like all finances were falling out from under us. Everywhere we turned, we were, we, we were being told no. You know what I'm saying? And I remember dad saying, don't sing it if you don't believe it. Don't sing it if you don't believe it. Like, are you living with expectation? It was, it was him, it was him, him saying, saying, it was basically him saying, have expectation that God is going to move. Have a little faith. When was the last time you woke up with expectation that God was going to take care of the situation that you found yourself in? But what led to her encounter? What led to her life, life being forever changed? Faith moved the power of Christ. Faith moved the power of Christ. Faith is the key to an earth-shaking encounter. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says it like this. Now faith, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. Faith is believing when things don't seem possible. Faith is saying against all odds, I believe this to be true. Even though I can't see it, I'm stepping in that direction. Faith is like Elijah after defeating the prophets of Baal when it hadn't rained in three and a half years. And he said, I hear the sound of rain. And it was a cloudless day. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? What would it be like if, to have the faith that could move mountains, that could part seas? What would happen? What happened to the faith of Elijah and the prophets? What happened to the bold faith of our Old and New Testament brothers and sisters that flipped this world upside down for the glory of God? And we struggle to have faith to get to the end of the month. This woman had faith that if I could just get there, she had the faith to say, why can't it be me this time? Why can't it be me this time? It's time for uh, it's time it's my time for an encounter. I'm glad what he's doing over here in your life. I really am. I'm glad what he's doing in your life, but it's my turn. I'm glad that man got, that was possessed with a demon got healed. I'm glad all these blind people can see. But I have an issue of blood. It's time. It's time for me. It's time for my encounter. It's my time. What if we had the faith to be bold enough to say that to God? 
What if we had the faith to say, God, it's, you got to do something for me. Now, I'm not talking about being disrespectful to God or being hateful toward God. And I'm just saying, you've promised me that you would move in me. And I'm asking for you to move now. But it goes on to say this. That's not what happens. So she was healed. She, he says, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. A lot of times we get to that, we get to that story and we, we read that story and we forget about the daughter. Have you already forgot about the daughter? I bet dad's just sitting there going, yeah, this is great. I'm glad her, I'm glad her issue of blood. Can, I, can, we, can we go? Can we go? And this is what happens. This is what happens. Mark 5, 35. And before he, had, before he had finished speaking, so Jesus is still speaking to this lady and saying, your faith has made you well. You, you know, this, people, people arrived from Jairus' house, Jairus' house and, and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. And I'm sure dad in that moment probably said, yeah, I'm glad it was her time, but what about my time? You can imagine the dad breaking down there in the dust on the ground and just crying and weeping to say, I was here first. I met you at the boat. You stopped to help this woman while my 12-year-old daughter has now died. I can just, like, that would be me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what about me? What about my daughter? What about, what about my situation? What about my situation? And I love Jesus' response. <laughs> he says, Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. <laughs> He's like, I don't care what you guys have to say. And to the Jewish official, he said, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is to keep on believing but she's dead like do you realize like your dream for your life may be dead that your vision for your life may be dead that situation that you're hoping to for to happen may seem dead like it may seem like it's out of reach now and this is Jesus saying don't yield to fear all you need to do is to keep I believe you, like when the dad brought the son before Jesus' feet who was possessed and he kept having seizures and he said and the dad said to Jesus like if you could heal him please heal him if you can if you can Jesus goes what do you mean if I can just keep believing and dad says I believe but help my unbelief don't yield to fear all you need to do is to keep on believing He's telling us to keep the faith. When everything seems lost, when everything seems dead, when that, when that job seems to come to a dead end, when that relationship with that son or daughter seems to be over, when that marriage, it seems like it's all but done. He's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Just like the dad in the, in the prodigal in the prodigal son story, it says he was waiting on the porch for his, to see his son. He waited with expectation that something was going to happen, that his son was going to return. You keep standing on that porch with expectation that God's going to do something big in your life, that he's going to move in your life. Keep on believing. 
See, at times when it seems like all is lost, we must keep a holy deafness toward the, toward the words to give up. So Jesus goes to Jairus' house and kicks the doubters out. Sometimes we've got to get some people out of our lives. They keep giving us bad news. Well, that'll never work. I remember when we went to first, I'm sorry if they hear this later, but I don't really care. I remember when we first went to start Shift Church and we were at a football game and it was a family member out of all things coming to me, coming to me going, you think with everything going on with your family, you can actually do, start a church right now? I wanted to give the old uh, DX hand motion. I don't know if you're a fan of wrestling. <laughs> I wanted to go, you can't, I go say it. <laughs> I remember when they said, you can't do that build out over there. That's weird. You're not in a place where you can. And guess what? I wanted to give them another little DX. I remember when they said, do you really think you could adopt two kids? You Financially, I can tell you right now, nope. <laughs> but I did it anyways. You know why? Because I said, God, it's my turn. I want an encounter with you, and as hard as it's going to be, I'm going to step out in faith that you're going to take care of us. Now, we may have ate some beans and rice a couple times in a row, the cup of soup. Might have went and picked some leaves off a tree. I didn't do that, y'all. I'm not, it wasn't that bad yet. <laughs> and we all had those stories where people told us no or you can't. But it kicks up. We've got to kick those people out of our lives. We've got to stop allowing certain people to speak into us saying, that'll never work. That'll never work. We've got to surround ourselves with people that says, hey, just put your faith in God and he'll take care of you. So he kicks all these doubters out. He goes up to this young girl's room Guess what he says to her? Daughter, again, rise up, live again. It says that she raises up, walks around, they give her some food. All the doubters were held a little feet, walking around across the floor. If I was Jesus, I would have went out and did the little DX to him and went left, you know, but Jesus is more holy than me. I know. But watch what happens in chapter 6 of Mark. This afterward, Jesus left Capernaum and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. On the Sabbath, he went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. They said among themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him? Where did he receive such profound insight? And what mighty miracles flow from his hands? Then this is, you see, like, oh, they're all excited about it. Blah, blah, blah. Glad Jesus is here. No, no, no. That was like them questioning who he was. You want to know how I know that? 
Verse 3, isn't this Mary's son? The, the carpenter? The brother of Jacob, Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? And don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? We know him. And they took offense at him. We know where you came from. Have you ever had somebody say that? I know your past. Uh huh. Verse 4 says, Jesus said to them, A prophet is treated with honor everywhere except his own hometown, among his relatives and his own house. There's going to be people that you think should have your back who don't. They may be nice to your face, but they're going to take that knife and dig it in deep eventually. You with me? He goes on to say, He was unable to do any great miracles in Nazareth except heal a few sick people by laying his hands upon them. He was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. Then Jesus went out into the different villages and taught his people. What happened in Nazareth versus what happened in Capernaum? Because of the lack of faith, the lack of faith of the of Nazareth people, Christ was not able to move. For you to have an encounter, you have to place all your chips on Christ. Because he isn't our last, but our only chance for our lives to be flipped upside down. Like, I'm praying the prayer of Missy Elliott about my life. Flip it up, down, and reverse it. You know what I'm saying? Like, do something, do some sort of encounter in my life. Like, God, you have to do something. Like, it's my turn. It's your turn. God, you got, like, if you did it for them, why can't you do it for me? And I'm just going to step out as if he's already done it. Because that's what faith does. When, when there's no rain inside, we say, I hear the rain. We gotta start looking in the direction of where Christ is moving and just faithfully move in that direction. God is doing so much. God is doing so much in the hearts of people here at Shift that it's it's undeniable that God is doing something. God is moving. Keep your faith, keep your heart pointed in the direction that you want God to move. No matter what storm comes, just like last week, no matter what storm comes, you've got to keep the faith. All your chips have to be on the king. The God, I love you so much. Thank you for the people here today, and I thank you for the people who listen to this online, and I'm thankful for the people who are, who are homesick right now. I think, one, thank you for not letting them come and get us sick, but... I pray for their healing. I pray for I pray for their peace. And I pray for anybody listening to this that was maybe down on their faith, God, that you keep them pointed in the direction of you. Whatever they've been asking, I pray that it's fulfilled today. Maybe they're waiting for, for a phone call from a family member, a son or a daughter who is saying, who, who they've been praying come to know you. I pray that they get a phone call as they head home saying, I found Jesus. 
I pray, I pray for that, that job, that promotion. I pray for whatever that, that situation is, God, that you, that you grant that today. Whatever in the hearts that you're asking for, that they're asking for today, God, I pray that you grant it. I pray for healing. I pray for marriages to be restored. God, I don't know why this just popped in, popped in my mind other than I want to pray for a kid whose name is Hudson. Who, as, as we are here, is laying on his deathbed, five years old. Ate up with cancer, God. I pray for healing for him, and I pray for healing for his parents. Pray for Deidre's heart. And in the midst of this situation, that she, that she keeps leaning on you. I pray a prayer like, like this. Why can't it be us? Why can't it be us? Why can't it be me? I pray for the children in the back, God, that you, that whatever their wildest dreams and visions are for their future, God, that's back there in the kids' room, God, I pray that, it, that those dreams come to flourishing. That they be a light of your glorious grace and wherever they go. There's a story being told. It's your story. And we want to give you glory wherever we go and whatever happens, whatever step we take, it's a glory to you. We pray that we are truly your witnesses, that we can proclaim, look at what God did when I said, why can't it be me? We pray for something so big that only you can get the credit for it. And I pray all this in your name. Hey, I love you all.